2: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we are back
3: live. We're holding up a newspaper. I was going to say like a hostage video, but because of recent events, that joke is no longer any good. Yeah. Um, uh, But I can hold up a newspaper that says Monday, January 8th, year 2024, because we are live and uh, everybody's back. Um, And there's lots of news to talk about. Obviously, we're going to be checking in on the Secretary of Defense getting a sex change operation or whatever was going on, according to (laughs) broadcast reports, (laughs) why he disappeared for a week last week. And a bunch of the other news of the day that includes the fact that the Iowa caucuses are a week from today. The border is still completely out of control in a way that it has never been in our nation's history. It is a an issue that more and more people are paying attention to. It is going to keep Joe Biden out of the White House, and I think he's starting to realize it, among other things we have to talk about coming up.
4: Yep, yep. Busy, busy stuff. Glad you're here. It's good to be back. Uh, so I, Joe Getty, and my bride Judy, after many, many, many years of talking about doing this, finally made our big trip to Europe. Uh, part of the problem is just Jack and I rarely take two weeks in a row off, and. By the time you spend, you know, unless you live, like, at a major uh, international airport on the East Coast city, it takes a while to get there, and then it takes a while to get back, and so you got to build a couple days on each end, blah, blah, blah. And so we've been talking about this for years. So we finally did it. We went and took one of those uh, river cruises, um, in this specifically uh, in the southern Germany, Bavaria, Austria, Little Hungary, uh, that sort of thing. Slovakia, too, interesting.
3: There's one river enough. that goes through all those places? the danube
4: as a matter of fact
3: okay. yes didn't know
4: that yeah and it was it was it was wonderful it was great except that the week before we got in there there was a huge snowfall and then uh, heavy heavy rains uh, right around when we were getting there and anybody who lives near rivers knows there's a couple of days that everything's flowing into those rivers long story short the rivers got so high and were running so swiftly they closed all the locks and two and a half days and two nights before we were supposed to they booted us off the boat and said we can't be on the river anymore, which was such a bummer because I was absolutely loving it—not just the the life on the the boat and the the people and the food and the drink and then watching the world go by from the top deck. Even though it was cold, I was up there bundled up watching the little villages go by, loving it oh, so that, much.
3: So, uh, do you sleep on the boat, or are you stop in towns and stay at hotels?
4: Oh, no, no, you have lovely cabins on the boat. Oh, okay, that you sleep in.
3: Interesting. And, must uh, be a pretty big good, boat then.
4: Oh, it is. Yeah, although it's not a it's not a big big boat. I think there were 132 people on it. Uh, it and you know it's it's a fairly high dollar thing to do. But uh, again, we've been putting it off for decades. Uh, but a great cruise company that's not paying for airtime, so I won't mention them. But um, they since they had to boot us off the boat, they hastily arranged some other stuff to do and a couple of extra nights in Munich. You should have and done June- like uh,
3: the airlines uh, give you a free drink ticket.
4: Yeah, exactly. You can sleep on shore if you want. Those trees over there will probably give you some shelter. Uh, but so we, we had already uh, committed to spend two nights in Munich, and we ended up with four nights in Munich, Germany, which was absolutely, I mean, as things go, if you're going to have a curveball thrown at you, that's a pretty good result. Mm-hmm. And we we just loved being in Munich. It was It's a cool city. It's tons and tons of history, food, drink, that sort of thing. Um and I want to get to Munich specifically in a Bratwurst. minute a couple of Gita brought Oh are you kidding me? Um a couple <laughs> of stray notes before I get into the the important stuff uh in Vienna, Austria, which we spent several nights in at the beginning of the trip, I ate so much Wiener Schnitzel I ate it like night number 1 and thought this is the best thing I've ever had. I am going to compare and contrast the Wiener's schnitzel everywhere we go. So I got heavily into Wiener schnitzel, so good.
3: Now that what is that roughly? Just briefly.
4: Well, it's like a pressed down veal, usually breaded okay. with some super delicious potatoes and then cranberry-like uh, preserves that you huh. have with it. And you combine the breaded meat with the potatoes, with the cranberry, and you eat it all at once. Oh, wow! And it's so, proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy.
3: But we don't eat it in America. I saw your the picture you sent us. I thought, why isn't this a more common thing in the United States? You got to go to a German restaurant.
4: Huh. That's really the only people who, to serve it, but I, I fell in love with it. Second stray note, uh, Google Translate. I've, I've said Google is evil many, many times. As a corporation, they remind me of how some Muslims view uh, the United States. They call us the great Satan. They don't mean the great evil. They mean the great temptor. With the pleasures of the flesh and materialism and porn and the rest of it. Google's the great temptor. It, it offers you these incredible tools and then steals all your data. Right. And, you know, given the choice between having Satan steal my soul and Google steal my data, you can have my data. But they're the great Satan in that way. And one of their temptations is Google Translate. It is
3: so amazing. I hadn't even thought of that. Remember my story? I used that with the maid when the guy disappeared in my neighborhood a while back, and I was so amazed by it. But when I went to Russia, that was Mm pre-iPhone. That would have changed everything on that trip if I could have gotten
4: around with Google Translate. So not only can you type in a phrase and get it translated, you can use the microphone, and it translates on the fly, or you can take a picture of a sign, oh. and it'll tell you what the sign oh. says. Gotta be fantastic. Oh, and I was so geeking out on that. I studied German for years and years, but it's a hard language, and that was years ago. So it was so much fun to think, you know, I think I know what that means, and verify it. Or you'd come across a slogan for a schnitzel company, and you'd think... I could translate it in German, but I was like, what the hell does that actually mean? So anyway, I geeked out on Google Translate so Oh, that would so hard be so handy. I loved it. It was just fun. Uh, so anyway, that third stray note, when th- we had to get booted off the boat because all the locks had closed and everything, uh, it was Christmas Day. I spent seven and a half hours of Christmas Day on a bus, which was just not that great. Going from, uh, Going from... Bratislava in Slovakia, which is a great old historic uh, city, um, to Salzburg. Uh, Mozart's hometown, uh, which was, it was a very interesting day, but it was like five hours to get there. And then after spending half the day in Salzburg, then it was time to start our our stint in Munich, which was another two and a half hours. Although, oh, that brings to mind, uh, it was my first experience on the Autobahn, the Autobahn famously where there is no speed limit. But the Germans are incredibly disciplined drivers. Everybody follows the damned law. So if you want to pass, you move to the left, you pass, you immediately get back to the right. Immediately. I saw maybe one exception to that in miles, hours and hours and hours of travel.
3: So Uh, Joe admires the discipline of the Germans. Oh, I absolutely Um, do. You sound a little like Trump now. Uh, Uh, I will
4: will tell you this on the way to the airport. On the Autobahn, our taxi driver... Taxi, it was like a really nice Mercedes, but our driver to the airport hit 105 miles per hour. Awesome. On the Autobahn. Well,
3: like nice cars, it's nothing to go that fast. So, I don't know why we can't do it in the United States. But uh, do you think they follow the laws so strictly, or the penalties just so strict, or is it just a cultural thing we follow the rules? Ding, ding, ding! Which brings me to section two of our talk.
4: Munich... Is the birthplace of the Nazi movement, the National Socialists as they refer to them in, Nazi uh, in Germany. Germany. And and is everybody that's correct, Michael. In all of the years of you playing that clip, finally it's appropriate. And and, and I, Joe, have long been an avid star Student To the point of near obsession of the rise and fall of the Third Reich, partly because I studied German language and culture and history and, and also because I am apparently unendingly fascinated by the idea of a dopey little political party started by a bunch of losers and misfits. Gaining the reins of a modern large nation and then leading to the greatest conflagration known to man and the slaughter of millions and millions and millions of innocent people. How does that happen among homo sapiens is one of my greatest fascinations. And so there I was in Munich at the birthplace of the Nazi movement. And, and a couple of things we did, and, and God bless my bride. I am so lucky to be married to the best friend I'll ever have. Um, and, and she knows how I am about that. So she said, Yeah, hey, this is your party. If you want to do that, let's do that. And so in between the gigantic steins of dark beer and the Wiener Schnitzel. And the window shopping and, and history and that sort of thing—I geeked out on the the whole Nazi history. They have the National Socialist Documentation Center. It's a four-story museum of the rise and the fall of the Third Reich, with contemporary news articles, posters, speeches, video, everything. It's how it happened.
3: So that's part of their laying on their back, showing their belly. They're embarrassed by it. Thing that they've been doing for years, right? Yeah, I wouldn't put it exactly that way, but that's close enough.
4: Yeah, they the German people not only went along with, but a lot of them went along with very enthusiastically the Nazi movement, which led to all those millions of dead. Um, and you could certainly argue the rise of the Soviet Union, really, in the second half of the twentieth century, but um, and the Iron Curtain and the rest of it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's atonement. Um, but that center, if you ever get a chance to go to it, is just amazing. In that it, it it fleshes it out, how do you go from unknown, destitute, former corporal in the military to fear with the power to kill millions and millions of people? Um, it fleshes that out. And the second thing we did, and, and if you have any questions, Jack, feel free to jump Trump's in. Trump's showing
3: kinda... us, according to the New York Times. Trump, I'm sorry, what now? Trump is showing us how you do that, according to the New York Times.
4: Yeah, not exactly. Um, Although uh, there are elements of it that are similar, uh, wildly overblown in this case, but similar, and I want to get to that. But the second thing we did was we went to the Dachau concentration camp, which was uh, an unspeakably horrific place of death and torture and misery and starvation and disease. Um, and and levels of cruelty that are worth contemplating if you're the sort of person who can um it's 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 a fascinating experience to tour it and read all of it um it is a miserable experience um it's it's heartbreaking and disturbing um And, you know, I could go on and on about it. I won't. Do people? Um, But the the Dachau model was exported to all of the dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of concentration camps. We all know about the famous ones. There were many of them and satellite camps. Go on, sorry.
3: Do uh, people shuffle around quietly looking stressed at this? i've never been to anything like this before
4: serious and contemplative yeah. yeah and and i'm looking at the clock we need to take a break um there's there's more to say and i want to say but i, I my final note the the one weirdly encouraging thing about it is it's an extremely quote-unquote popular place that people visit millions of people visit which is good
3: because they want to peer into what humanity is capable of
4: and I think they walk away yeah. understanding a little bit more of how you don't play with this sort of thing because hey. it'll go seriously wrong.
3: And how interesting having had October 7th happen, being reminded, oh, people still can do that sort of thing.
4: Oh, yes, yeah, specifically to the Jews. So
3: quick break, then
4: a few more comments.
3: Okay, uh, very interesting. Lots of stuff on the way. Our text line, four one five two nine five 295 kftc Joe was just talking about his vacation. We got a text about his story of visiting a famous concentration camp that Joe toured in Germany. We got this text, Dachau ruined my day. After we left it, I drank a lot and played chess. Not fun. It is interesting that something so grim has become a tourist destination for so many people. Yeah, yeah. And, we could talk for
4: ages about why that might be, and but everybody I, was very serious and respectful.
3: And I agree with you. I think it's a good thing that it that you know people want to travel there. And do you pay to get in, or is it? No,
4: no, yeah. it's free. You well, can make not. donations and stuff.
3: Is there anything crass about it at all, or is it all very well handled?
4: Oh no, no, it's it's incredibly serious. No, You've never been anywhere more serious.
3: There's no. My parents went to Daco and all I got was this t shirt or nothing like that.
4: No, you can't like get a penny pressed into the shape of the Arbeit Machtfrey Gate. No, no, no. Anyway, uh, on a lighter note, we did. <clears throat> we we hit up the concierge in Munich. Uh, we said we'd really like to take in a symphony or or, or something like that, or opera. Hmm we're in one of the great seats of art and stuff we saw some music in Vienna, and and he got us like luxury box seats to watch the magic flute at the stadt opera the the big beautiful ancient opera hall there in munich we saw mozart's the magic flute from right by the stage three plus hours of singing in german jack you'd have loved
3: it i got your magic flute (laughs)
4: <laughs> and of course my german being extremely rusty and old and it's a hard language i knew just enough to be able to you know the guy singing i would know just enough to lean to judy and say he's mad <laughs>
3: <laughs> how old is that place i don't know that building but
4: Oh, well, it was bombed like most places during the war, but, uh, I don't, I don't know. It was probably originally built in the, uh, 1800s or okay. something ornate and gorgeous, that sort of thing, as so much of Europe is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so getting back to the whole Nazi thing, I, I visited the social, uh, national socialist documentation center. They call it Munich where Nazi, the Nazi movement arose. Um, and then Dachau, the, uh, the horrible, unspeakably horrible concentration camp. And and one of the main lessons I took from it, one of the main messages, and there are a bunch that I'll share as the weeks and months go by, uh, is uh, uh, propaganda works. Good propaganda works. If you know what people want to hear and they are angry and disaffected enough, you can get masses of people to do... Well, terrible things, wonderful things, too, in theory, Um, but propaganda works. That's why people use it. And it can get it can mislead and misguide people with incredible effectiveness. Now, the whole Trump is the new Hitler thing. That is that is so stupid. Is there an element of ugliness to some of the populism, anger and like to hell with it? Let's burn it down. Yeah, absolutely. There is. But there have been populist movements over and over again through American history and every other country's history. And they don't, don't all result in Hitler. In the case of post-World War I Germany, there were no institutions. There was no, like, working court system. There was no Congress that worked. No Senate. No Constitution. There was nothing. It was in chaos. So quit with the new Hitler crap. End
3: of screed. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, I'm sure we'll hear more about that in coming uh, days, weeks, months, and years.
4: If you get a chance to get some good Wiener schnitzel, you say ya. Say ya to a Wiener schnitzel. And
3: you tried it at a bunch of different places? Oh, yeah. Night
4: after night. (laughs) Couldn't get enough.
3: Well, our border has disintegrated to that and other stuff on the way.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty
4: Show. We have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know
3: that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. A very dramatic clip from the trailer to Oppenheimer, which won best picture drama at the Golden Globes last night which is up for a gazillion awards in the Oscars which will be sometime. I don't know. I won't watch. Boy,
4: if I'd known that the movie featured scientist recruitment, I would have gone and seen it.
3: <laughs> I really liked Oppenheimer as a uh, the story and visual spectacle and all the stuff that the movie is. I really wish it had emphasized other things, but maybe if it ends up winning the Oscar best picture, I'll talk about that more then. Uh, as we have other things to discuss, there was a big protest uh, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian protest on I-5 in L.A. yesterday that disrupted traffic unbelievably. And I uh, want to get into that story a little bit later because a lot of people are unhappy with that. Some people are happy with that. There was one other thing I was going to throw in. Um, hmm. Most of the speculation on the text line is that the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, got some sort of gastric bypass or something fat guy operation. <laughs> to cite the medical term. <laughs> he got one of your fat guy operations. I mean, he got yeah. an operation that he wants to keep secret. If you got a hip replacement, you wouldn't keep it a secret. You're an older guy. You served in the military. You could perfectly say, you know, it, this, this thing that happens, whatever.
4: I'm, I'm going to be out of commission for a few days. My deputy's in charge. Uh,
3: let me know. Let me know if you need me. Why did he keep it a secret from the National Security Advisor, from his boss, the President of the United States, from everybody?
4: Three choices. Number one, it was a terrible error in judgment to do it, and it was something perfectly reasonable. From
3: a, military, two, from a military man that has climbed that high? It's hard to imagine.
4: I know. It's a possibility, but it's unlikely. Number two, it is something much more serious than we've been led to believe, and it was elective in that, well, we can deal with that aneurysm, now or next month but every day you wait you're taking a chance um so it wasn't an emergency surgery and if an aneurysm's an emergency surgery all right fine i'm not a doctor <laughs> uh, I, all right anyway you know what i'm talking about some sort of heart procedure that we can either do today or next month that is an elective surgery um so it was much more serious as possibility two Possibility you- three is your possibility it's embarrassing
3: why would you keep it a secret? Possibility number two. Why would you keep that a secret?
4: So not to let our adversaries know our sec okay. def is, uh, you know, got one foot in the old grave, Rooney.
3: That makes sense know. at the time. But why now is it still a secret? It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Why it. would you let Politico and everybody else run with all this speculation? Politico reporting that Joe Biden was furious when he found out. I don't blame him. I don't either. We're practically at war with Russia and Iran. Yeah. And it'd be nice to know that if they just bombed a ship, you could get a hold of the Secretary of Defense right away, who you have a personal relationship with, you know, uh, and you you could communicate about how we ought to handle this. I mean, to find out, oh, he's he's in the hospital, I have to talk to her, who I don't have much of a relationship with, or whatever. um, And she happens
4: to be on vacation, by the way, you know, floating in an inner tube in, in a Puerto Rico resort or something like that.
3: Yeah, that's a weird thing that happened. Wow, you're right.
4: You're right. It's inexplicable, and it should be explicked. We deserve it.
3: (laughs) So, we are one week from the Iowa caucuses. After all the ridiculous talk about voting in elections so far out, there's actually going to be votes cast or caucusing occurring. Um, Finally,
4: I get to talk about the exciting
3: two-point
4: swing between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, (laughs) which cancels the previous two-point swing. Mm, What does it mean?
3: I mean, they put Ron DeSantis on one of the talk shows yesterday. I suppose that's a nice thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) He's tried so hard. (laughs) (laughs) But so Trump is going to Monday night. It's going to be Trump won like by 30 points. And then, I don't know what the conversation will be at that point. But Trump is in a courtroom, two different cases this week. He physically will be in a courtroom twice this week. Wow. If it were a close race, imagine that. And he's not on the ground in Iowa giving speeches, trying to rally people because it's, you know, polls show it's neck and neck between him and whoever.
4: And if you haven't heard, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the Colorado keeping him off the ballot case. I think they're hearing arguments on February the 8th. Does that sound right? I believe you're right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of courtroom drama uh, around our democratic processes. Yeah.
3: Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. That is really something. Uh, The thing he's in court for later in the week is the... He misled people about the value of his properties, even though the people he actually made the loans with haven't complained themselves. Um, that whole ridiculous case that they now have upped the amount of money he has to pay to three hundred and forty million dollars.
4: Yeah, good luck with that. That's
3: a lot of money, no matter who you are. Good luck with yeah. that. You you say he will you believe he will appeal and win or what? Well, I just
4: uh, we well yeah, it's this case is so nakedly a political prosecution. Surely at some point a, a, a higher court is going to overturn what's going on. Right. Cuz the judge in this case is not real impressive either.
3: But all of this but. was a long transition to if Donald Trump ends up getting elected president of the United States again, One of the main reasons, if not the main reason, will be our border situation and the fact that millions of people came into this country illegally last year while Biden was president and uh, will remain in this country and people continue to pour across. An example of that coming up in just a moment.
4: Yeah, wild, uh, you know, lack of stability is the, the theme and now seems like a great moment to interject from with a word from our friends at Oxford Gold Do you feel prepared with everything going on in our country? Do you find yourself thinking about self-defense, home protection, financial protection more than ever? A lot of us do.
3: One form of financial protection is diversification, and gold has often been used to protect assets against inflation. Gold is a global reserve, global, not global, reserve (laughs) asset, and countries are buying massive amounts of gold as a hedge against financial collapse.
4: It's time to help protect yourself and invest in gold. Stop thinking things are going to get better. You need to look out for yourself and your family.
3: Our friends at the Oxford Gold Group will help you understand why you need gold in your 401k. Yeah, people are doing that. Why you should have gold on hand. It's easy, it's simple, and it's the Oxford Gold Group that they're there, they're there to help you today.
4: Visit OxfordGoldGroup.com slash free and order the investment guide or make a purchase of precious metals and earn up to $2,500 in free gold. That's OxfordGoldGroup slash free oxfordgoldgroupcom dot com slash free. One more time, oxfordgoldgroupcom dot com slash free.
3: So there are a couple of different polls out showing how much Americans care about the border. It's somewhere between two thirds and three quarters of Americans think it is a serious problem. I mean, that is amazing.
4: Well, and those of you who don't, what the hell is the matter with you? Exactly. What are you waiting for?
3: Oh, while we were on vacation, Mayorkas got questioned by Lindsey Graham. Do you know how many people have come across the border? I know the exact number. Can you tell me? I am not prepared to give that number at this time for some reason, whatever that means. But wow. he was willing to admit it somewhere above 2 million, somewhere around 2.3 million people that came into the country. Where you don't know, have any idea where they are right now. And they continue to come across like that. Fox had one of their reporters on the border talked to a guy. Who was coming across? Who said he'd paid the twenty to thirty grand to come across and was climbing a
1: razor wire fence at the time? There's a migrant that's behind me that is trying to make his way. He's jumping the fence right now. I talked to him. Look at that. He paid the cartel twenty to oh thirty thousand dollars right now to cross the border. Lawrence, that's razor wire. And wow. he comes from. That's exactly right. He comes from Honduras, Holy and he was waiting God. for the National Guard oh, to leave. And what they told him is, you got to go back. We're not going to let you in. Now he took some of his clothes off, and he jumped across the razor at 20000 to $30,000, and he's going to meet. He's going to get a destination. He's going to be processed, and he's going to meet his wife in California. So he's reporting
3: that his uh, co-hosts back in the studio who were watching the video— we're like, whatever you're saying, blah, 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 blah. I'm watching a guy climb across a razor wire fence. Duh, It's gruesome to watch. I mean, you think about his hands and his shirt gets ripped open and his bare chest. And I mean, it's just oh. horrific to think about. <sighs> And, but then he climbs over, and he kind of dusts himself off, and you can see some red marks because it's kind of far away. I'm sure he's bleeding like crazy, but he's Damn. in the United States, and he has changed his life forever because he now lives in the United States and will never be booted out, more than likely. Oh, of course not.
4: No, saw the the uh, number just uh, before we started the show today. Uh, the number of migrant encounters, and keep in mind, they're being encountered, processed, and turned loose into the country. And probably a number somewhere close to double that uh, have appeared total, including those who snuck through. The number of uh, immigrants who've flooded across the border during the first Biden administration, by the end of it, will have surpassed the previous three administrations combined this is
3: a disaster i got a question about it politically but first let's hear from wayne king he's a texas rancher at eagle pass where they interviewed there on fox right after they showed the guy crawl across the razor wire he's an absolute traitor he lies under oath he says says that the border is secure it's not he was he took an oath to protect us and he's not doing it even our president the president of the United States. I call him a traitor, too. Now, so that is... Uh, they were talking about Mayorkas, the second of uh, Homeland Security, who, f- for some reason, got away with for so long, continuing to say the border is secure. The border is
4: secure. I don't if, under- if any human being deserves a tarring and feathering, it's
3: Mayorkas. I don't understand why the... I feel like the Republicans haven't done as good a job as they could of questioning him on this. What do you mean? <laughs> What defines secure for me? If a couple of million people came into the country that aren't supposed to, what are you talking about, you crazy person? Well, it
4: reminds me of our discussion about Claudine Gay uh, finally quitting her job as president of Harvard. Um, We found out that all they have for an argument is, you're a racist, you're just doing this because she's a black woman, you're a racist. Well, I remember that idiotic Kamala Harris quote about the border. It's secure in that we're working... To make the border secure. They don't have an answer. So they just keep repeating like they're a damned parrot. That it's not a crisis. It's under control.
3: Is anybody else feeling physically weird about the idea of crawling over a razor wire fence? It just makes me feel it's because I, I watch the video. I don't the want the to video. talk about it anymore. Ah. But here's my question politically. Because then we got to take yes. a break. Um, yes, yes. We are a long way away from the presidential election. we got 10 months um, because it's the very beginning of November, so we got ten full months. Could they get a handle on it, and then because they got a handle on it, it's just not an issue ten months from now? I mean, do you think that's some, a, a decent chance mm, of that? They could deflate
4: it as an issue pretty significantly. I think Republicans could still hammer on the fact that they let, however. 15 million illegals into the country, whatever the number turns out to be, I, and nobody's quite sure, but it's in the millions. Um,
3: One thing we, I've learned getting older is it's amazing how short our attention span is on issues. Mm-hmm, yeah. We can yeah. be so worked up about something, and then a few months later, we're just off of it.
4: Right. Well, let me put on my uh, somewhat cynical, bitter realist hat. Uh as much as the Republicans have been howling about the situation on the border, if they were to come to some sort of agreement on a serious, smart border reform package, they wouldn't do it between now and Election Day. Right. They wouldn't give him, quote-unquote, the win, which ought to fill you with hatred and contempt. Ah, uh, It certainly <laughs> does me. Um, and, and the Democrats are every bit as evil and more.
3: I mentioned earlier I was on a flight where there was a medical emergency and they had to do an emergency landing and that whole thing, which I've read about and heard about, but I'd never been on a plane when it was happening. It's a real hassle, by the way. I got to tell you about it. It's uh, it's 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 pretty interesting. You don't want that to happen on your plane. You know, uh, let me soften my
4: comment. I think the uh, and I do want to hear about that, but uh, I think the Republicans might be able to claim a giant win, saying, "Look, he finally came to us and we cleared, off, we sealed the border." So it's possible they would go along with a plan. It's iffy. Stay here. A lot on the way.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
5: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So much to talk about. I saw the new Chappelle comedy special that dropped, as they say, on Netflix For the break. Have you seen that yet? Mm-hmm. I have not. Just a little teaser of it. Pretty entertaining. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh, Ricky I a,
4: Gervais won the uh, Golden Globe for his comedy special.
3: Yeah, I, did, I haven't seen his newest one, which also came out uh, real recently. Um, I was on a flight. I was on way too many flights during this break for some reason. Did a lot of driving. Drove all the way to Kansas. It's a long one, 24 hours. Mm. Love it. My kids like long drives. But I did uh, too much flying because I hate airports and planes. But I was on one plane where, um, and I told the whole story earlier, if you want to hear the whole thing, get the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. But uh, some guy started screaming two seats away from me, uh, give me a baby aspirin, give me a baby aspirin, this guy's having a stroke. And uh, it turned out the guy was in bad medical shape and thank god there was a doctor on board it ended up being was a long time before the doctor arrived and having been through the whole experience now i wonder if you're a doctor and you're on a flight if you don't wait until you're darn sure it's in a medical emergency so you don't end up leaving your seat going back there and it's somebody who you know they've got indigestion or they they're hungover or whatever and you don't want to do the whole doctor thing or you're hoping there's another doctor to deal with it? <laughs> I don't I don't actually know, but it was longer than I would have guessed with all the screaming and hubbub before the doctor that, thank God, was on board ended up coming back to the guy. And what one thing I learned was how much medical equipment they have on a flight if you do have a doctor who knows how to use it. Because he had all kinds of IV bags out, and he's popping needles this way and that way, and tubes and medicine and all kinds of different stuff. It looked like a like I've been in emergency rooms where this sort of thing is happening. That's what it looked like. And, uh, and he had bags hanging from all over the place that you would have never thought was designed for hanging a bag. and. And uh, it was pretty cool. So if you do have a doctor on board, if you don't have a doctor on board, yeah, I guess the stewardess is going to offer you a, a, a half a can of diet soda, and you'll just die there in your seat. Uh, I don't know. But... <laughs> they 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 got the guy uh, kind of all fixed up, and then the uh, the the pilot comes on and says, uh, "We have a medical emergency, and we're going to have to make an emergency medical landing. So we're going to land uh, a little bit earlier. I know this is going to be disruptive to a lot of your flight plans, but blah 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 blah." And um, you know, and there was no groaning or anything like that because everybody can imagine how awful that would be, but. In case you've never had this happen before, so you can get prepared, Uh, you are not making your next flight. You are not doing hardly any of the things you were planning to do that day. Because of the whole thing, at least three hours diversion from what we were planning to do. You have to land. They land super hard and slam on the brakes so that the paramedics can get up there and the ambulances come up and they run on the plane really fast and get the guy off and everything like that. But one of the things they have to do is let the brakes cool down for a certain amount of time because they slammed on the brakes so hard. Then they have to do something with refueling, and then the guy or woman that they take off, they got to get that person's luggage. So they had to take all the luggage off of the plane, oh, find wow. his luggage, then put all of the luggage back on the plane. So between all of those things, it was three Hours, and everybody oh, yeah. just watched as they realized their connection at the next place went by the wayside, and uh, and all your plans change and everything like that. It's, it's greatly inconvenient. I wonder what the threshold is for they're going to land for you. It's got to be, I would think it's almost got to be life or death or they won't land for you.
4: I would hope. I'll bet it's a fairly short list.
3: Because it's many hundreds of people who are not going to make their next flights, and then the airline goes out of their way to try to accommodate that, so I don't know what that costs them. Yeah, I'll bet it's a short list, too. Yeah, I doubt my stomach
4: really feels bad. It is enough to like (laughs) land in, uh, you know, Joplin, Missouri instead of going on to, uh, you know, Chicago.
3: Right. But it was a full three hours. And then we never got off the plane. So we were sitting on the plane that entire time. Also, they put all the old medical gear in one of the restrooms and closed the door. So you're down to one bathroom on a plane where everybody's been sitting there for three hours. And it's a. Hope the people on your flight are healthy. Hey, eat better and exercise! I yelled at the guys. I took him <laughs> wow. off. I just wow. thought it
1: was a bunch time.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
1: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder.
2: I'm Saleh Mosin.
1: And I'm David Gurra. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm
0: Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,